0: We have before us 17 roses and 17 candles representing those who from last All Saints Day until today who have been a part of this congregation have died. They have gone from life through death to life everlasting. And so as I name each name, You will hear the sound of a bell uh, from the sound booth, and following that sound, I invite you simply to respond, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Ira Moser, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Audrey Davenport, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Susie Buchanan, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Robin Benson, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Dale Frondell, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Remelson Four Level, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Jack Patty, Thank you, Lord, for this your servant. Audrey Ping. Thank you, Lord, for this your servant. Sandy Hunt. Thank you, Lord, for this your servant. Jeffrey Mack. Thank you, Lord, for this your servant. Ralph Converse. Thank you, Lord, for this your servant. Vivian Sleeper, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Cubby Durham, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Eilema Hayden, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Ed Olmstead, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Russ Kreider, thank you, Lord. For this, your servant. Roxy Bennett, thank you, Lord, for this, your servant. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, for all of these, your servants, we thank you and we praise you for the lives they lived, for that part of each one of them that has become a part of us And for their life in you, which will never end, we offer you our gratitude. And so today, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may they go from glory to glory, and may we remember who you are, who we are, and who we are in you as men and women who will never die but we'll go from life through death to everlasting life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. It's near the end of the book of Revelation, so we've, we've built through image after image after image to now these climactic images that close out this book. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true then he said to me it is done I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God let us pray Oh, Lord, use your servant's lips and your people's ears and hearts that today as they are joined together, the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. There is a sense that at the moment we are waiting for God. God has come in the past. The past tense can be used of many of God's activities. God rescued the people of Israel from slavery. God spoke through the prophets. God became human in Bethlehem of Judea. God offered himself, the second person of the Trinity, for us and for our salvation. There's a sense in which God came past tense. There's a sense in which God comes today. Today as we share together the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ. God comes to us wherever two or three are gathered in the name of the Lord. The Lord is there among them. It's a present tense. God comes to be with us. But there is this other tense, this future tense, this waiting on God that we continue in. This waiting for God. What are we waiting for? The book of Revelation shows us that we are waiting for a kind of victory that God will inevitably pose and have over all of his enemies. We are waiting for a kind of ultimate consummation of all things. We are waiting for God to finish the work that he has begun in us. And a lot of us think of the book of Revelation, oh scary monsters and all of that, and of course there are scary monsters and all of that, but the interesting piece is that the book of Revelation was written as encouragement to those who were going through many trials and many sufferings. And early on it was read or listened to by many who, like us, have hopes and dreams of the world, not as it is, but hopes and dreams for the world as God intends to restore it. And make no mistake, of all of the things we see in the world that are not right, There is one in particular that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. A primer on, on resurrection and Christianity can be found in 1 Corinthians 15. If you want to study 1 Corinthians 15, there's so much wonderful things there. I'm going to fast forward a little from that passage to later on in 1551-55 to 55 where Jesus says, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, in other words... Paul expects the Lord to come back at a time when the world is fully populated, when there are some people alive at the time when the Lord returns in glory. I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but even those who are still alive, even the present generation at that time, we will all be changed. For this perishable body must put on... Im- Oops. I'm sorry, I missed one. (laughs) We'll all be changed. In a moment we'll be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. This is like one of my favorite verses, so I was a little anxious to get there. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on imperishability. Imperishability immortality, and when this perishable body puts on imperishability, and when this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? So, Revelation uses this genre of literature that for several hundred years, it, it, was, it was not something that's unusual and weird and strange like we sometimes see it and think of it as. Revolution, Revelation uses this genre of literature where it presents visual scene after visual scene after visual scene to once again tell the gospel in a different way to provide a different means for sharing the gospel story in almost a kaleidoscopic view of the gospel narrative in, in vivid, vivid display. And as we have come up to this particular passage, we see that Babylon has fallen. Babylon, in Jewish apocalyptic literature, they're they're the bad guys. They're the empire. The empire that can come in and take you from your home and relocate you 200 miles away and there's nothing you can do about it. Babylon is the one who takes an independent people ruled by a Davidic king and blows the kingdom apart. Babylon is the oppressive Image of a government gone amok, requiring the kind of loyalty that is only given to God. Babylon has fallen, heaven rejoices, the beast is defeated, the Lord reigns, Satan is doomed, the dead are judged, and then there is the new creation. This new creation where the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. Now, we can talk a lot about the new creation. You and I are very much familiar with the old creation. Where things are unfair and unjust. You didn't get the raise or the promotion that you had planned to get. Because somebody else did who wasn't as qualified. There is an unfairness about it all. And we have lived with the old creation for a long, long time. There is brokenness. There is pain. There's multiple sclerosis and and cancer and any kind of disease that we can see of the body. There is disappointment. You know, when you're young, anything's possible. The older we get, the less possible those things become I, I always have this, you know, this slight Wondering of what, you know If I had become a psychiatrist What would my life be like? And you know, when I was 30, I'd ask that question I wonder, wonder what would happen if I became a psychiatrist At my age, it's not possible for me to become a psychiatrist anymore That ship has sailed The further we go in life, the more ships sail. The more we realize that that book that we had intended to write will never get written. The more we realize that the people that we had hoped to somehow make peace with have died and it's very difficult to make peace with them. We recognize that ultimately there is disappointment and there is death. If you go to annual conference, Kentucky Methodist Annual Conference... It's a really interesting thing. It starts off, there's work, there's worship, there's work, there's worship. But, but let me tell you about the worship services. You start off with ordination. New people just ordained to preach the gospel. And then after ordination, we recognize people that have, have served in the church for X number of years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. I stopped counting, but apparently I've reached 20 as of last annual conference. So, so ordination, recognition of service. And then there's retirement, Thank God for the ministry of, you know, 417 years of combined ministry in this retirement. And then after the retirement service, there's the memorial service. And so, if you spend, if you spend an entire ministry career and in one annual conference, you go from ordination to recognition to retirement to a memorial service. And if you spend your whole time in the church, you go from baptism through confirmation to a growing faith, to sharing your testimony, to aging and not being able to do as much, to being put on the shut-ins list, and eventually, eventually, unless the Lord comes back, there's a candle for all of us. And there's a moment when we see, we see that we go through this whole life span And we do so in the presence of the one who has promised to make all things new. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I'm big on imagery in the Bible and the Old Testament in particular. The sea was no more. The sea for the Hebrew people is this, the force of chaos that tries to come in and overturn all order. The sea is that which is tamed by God which cannot be tamed by humanity. The sea is this, is this chaotic encumbrance to the will of God, which is orderly and whole. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The new creation is described as a bride. I've been to a lot of weddings. Truth be told, I've been to a lot more weddings than I wanted to go to. <laughs> and sometimes I, was, <laughs> sometimes I was the preacher at those weddings. Weddings bring out wonderful things in people. They bring out odd things. Uh, I remember the one wedding rehearsal that ended in a fist fight and blood everywhere. And I had told these people, you can't mess up the church. And so the guy that got punched in the nose and was bleeding profusely, all the, they, were, they were scared because I said, you can't, you can't mess up the church. So they picked him up and just took him right out of the church. We held hands, said a prayer, and they left. (laughs) And then there was the wedding that the bride and her bridesmaids left their shoes, every one of them. Somewhere way too far away to go get them, so the bridal party was barefoot. Then there was the wedding in Franklin, Kentucky, from people who weren't from Franklin, Kentucky the groom and all of the guests showed up on time in Franklin, Kentucky. The bride and her mother inexplicably just typed in First United Methodist Church. The first church that popped up on the GPS was First United Methodist Church in Franklin, Tennessee. It was 1 o'clock, and the groom and all the guests were in Franklin, Kentucky. And the bride calls and says, the church doesn't look like it looked yesterday, and there's nobody here. (laughs) But in the best of times, when I'm getting ready for a wedding, in the best of times, the bride and the bridal party will take some part of the church and they'll be getting ready and I can walk by outside and I can hear laughter and I can hear joy and then I get the chance to stand at the front of the church or wherever the venue happens to be as the doors swing open and as the groom sees for the first time in a bridal dress his wife-to-be. The new creation is presented like this, like a bride being presented to a groom. The new creation is presented to God's people, prepared joyful joy filled the new creation is presented and an announcement is made and I heard a loud voice not a gentle whisper I heard a loud voice saying see the home of God is among mortals he will dwell with them as their God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. We're going to be in Advent before long as we prepare for Emmanuel, God with us, God coming to be among us. That is the vision. It happened, and it will happen again. That is the vision, the vision of a life that you and I can have restored in God. God will be his people, with his people and we will be with God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes death will be no more mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away God intends to make the twisted things straight the broken things whole and God intends to wipe every tear from our eyes In the Old Testament, one of the words for wicked is twisted. The word for righteous is straight. Now, if you're my age or a little older, you remember the movie Mommy Dearest. Don't put a dress on a wire hanger think about it in terms of a wire hanger you know you take take your wire hanger and take that straight part and and twist it and then try to untwist it make it straight again probably not going to happen but God takes the twisted and straightens it out God takes the broken and makes it whole and God wipes away the tears from our eyes as God has promised to make all things new the one who was seated on the throne says see behold I am making all things new write this down write this down for the Christians living in the first century so that they can be assured that God is still sovereign on the throne. Write this down so that the monks in their cells can copy it for centuries to come. Write this down so that in churches all over the world, in every language on every continent, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty... I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. I look over and I see 17 candles and 17 roses. It's impossible to think of the lives that were touched by those represented here. It's impossible to imagine a world where these men and women were not present to teach, to love, it's impossible to think that these candles representing from teenager to elderly. It's impossible to think of a world where each of these lives was not lived. But it is also possible for us to conceive of this new creation. To conceive of God finishing what he has started. To conceive of God with us in a new creation. Wiping our tears. Making us whole. Making us holy.